0: talking to kendall i'm here talking to annie and we're talking about carl carlson worst dad ever um join the patreon oh my god join us on patreon um you can follow us on instagram at tell no one podcast or send us an email at tell no one pod at gmail.com sources are in the show notes everything's alleged but this is definitely tell no one enjoy we Christina Carlson met Carl Carlson. That is his name. Um, it's with K's, both of them. Oh, okay, comrade. He, exactly. Uh, I think he's like Scandinavian. Mm. He looks at it a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, she met him shortly after her first marriage ended. Carl was in the Air Force and stationed in North Dakota. we were like in the 80s right now. Okay their relationship moves pretty fast and within a year she is pregnant and they get married uh, so after they get married they move to his hometown in seneca falls and carl leaves the air force they have a daughter aaron and a son levi and then they soon have a third katie so christina's father offers carl a job at his heating and cooling business in california so they move out there hell Which yeah that's where christina's family is from so she's like hell yeah Their house was not amazing. It was described as bad ramshackle, unfortunately. Mm. Um, But she was happy to be living near her sister, Colette, who also had young children. Uh, It was was always their dream to raise their children close to each other. So now they can. So now we're out here. Carl's true colors, unfortunately, start to show. For Christina's 30th birthday, Colette gifts her a glamour shot session. You know, I have the picture. Gimme. (laughs) i mean oh my god why did they do that back then i'm so upset that we don't do that like there's no reason i can get dressed up like that today you would really do great with a glamour shot well her like her headband matches the gown like where do you you buy this as a set where do you buy that gown neiman marcus (laughs) (laughs) neiman marcus Would would you be glad if i gifted you a glamour shot yeah a photo shoot yeah okay yeah, it's late eighties. She's wearing bright pink. It's eighties pink. It's exactly what you think. Um, her hair is—I want to say permed. I mean, I'm thinking like Aquanet beyond cr- cr- crunchy. Yeah, I think we're crunchy. Big old earrings and pink makeup. Like her eyes are pink and her lips are pink. Like we're all matching pink. Uh huh. Contouring. Monochrome with look. Blush. Oh, for sure. Yep. Yeah. Pat Benatar. So, uh, when Carl sees her, he calls her a whore and tells her to take it all off. The idea of having an issue with like her wearing a lot of makeup. That's also like not a lot of makeup. Like we're being, it's like pink. It's not a smoky eye. Yeah. Not even like nighttime makeup, like fun girl makeup. Yeah. This is 80s fun girl makeup. Yeah. Not like clubbing, not not playboy makeup, frankly. Um, but like, shut the fuck up, Carl. What the fuck do you care? Right. Even if it were crazy. I'm headed to the mall with like, Colette, what the fuck am I going to do there? Right, right, right. Okay. So they would have frequent arguments. Um, Colette would bring this up to Christina. And according to Colette, Christina was planning on moving in with her after the holidays, like in January 91. So um, New Year's Day, 1991. Uh, The children are napping and Carl is working in the garage and Christina is in the bathtub. All of a sudden, this is what Carl says, all of a sudden he's in the garage and he hears Christina yelling for him to, quote, save the children. He comes out of the garage and sees smoke billowing from the home. He runs to his like outside of his son's room and breaks the window, pulls Levi out of the window and then runs to the daughter's rooms, removes the screen and the windows and, and both girls like grab onto him. He takes them out. He gets all of the three kids out of the house safely, gets in his truck and drives away. Okay. He drives to a neighbor's house to call for help. So not only... So Christina is in the bathroom. Locked in the bathroom? Well, coincidentally, the bathroom window had been boarded up from the outside what just a few like a week or two before the fire because it had been broken when allegedly christina tried to open it with a plunger
1: (laughs) 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 fuck you carl
0: there are parts in this where people are like why are you saying your wife was the dumbest person alive like i had a dumb bitch wife who tried to open a window with a with a plunger she broke it and then i boarded it up yeah okay she was locked in there, dude. I don't want to bring up Count Olaf again, but like... I think we should. Count <laughs> Olaf type shit where like I boarded up the window and then I locked them in and then I got out the other way. And I hit the key. Yeah. <laughs> <I> very much. <laughs> I baked a key in a pie and <laughs> gave it to the neighbor. Yeah, totally that. But um, I tried to open a window with a plunger. I literally don't I know don't... what you mean. So I read that and I heard that and I went... That's too weird for me to understand what that means. I have to move on from that. I Like, trying to suction open the window? Surely not. And a plunger isn't even, like, a thing that would break a window. Like, what do you you mean? Unless she's using the the wooden end. You think I'm trying to open a window by bashing it in? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, babe. I tried to open it. Well, you broke it to a thousand shards. (laughs) (laughs) Like. Why would that open in <laughs> okay, whatever. so to add at- so I just want people to get the picture of what's happening here. She's in a bathroom with the only window boarded up, mm-hmm. and it appears that the fire started right outside of the bathroom door. Come on, dude, do you think that he well, no, I know what I think. I don't even need to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna wonder aloud if he um, <laughs> broke the window, yeah, intending to board it up, to, yeah, to do the plan, or if he maybe like had to board up the window and then and then was like, oh, opportunity. No, <laughs> <laughs> the former. Yeah. Okay. Oh, someone learned. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. I, like a oh. week ago, I told. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> like a week ago, I I confided in Kendall. <laughs> <but> I, <laughs> oh no, you get Red Bull everywhere. Ugh that I am, I don't really get the former and latter. It takes a minute to think about it. I agree. But former part, I like, I get a little bit more. And I, I think you know that I get it now. Having, <laughs> having used She's it. She's applying and, it. Having applied it right before you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so here's... So, okay. She's completely trapped in this bathroom. And the window had been boarded up with at least 17 nails. Also, a gallon jug of kerosene was in the hallway just sitting there right outside of the bathroom. <laughs> Carl said Christina had put it in, put it there by accident thinking it was water. All right. <laughs> kerosene. And like the idea of I went out to the garage to get a jug of water, but I brought back kerosene and I'm going to give it to who the children. At- she just left it in the house, just left it there. And then a dog, their dog or cat must've knocked it over and spilled it. Come on, dude. It was uncapped as well. I I don't even know what to tell him. And then he said, oh, also by accident, I had installed a faulty light right by the spilled kerosene. Could that have maybe have started the fire? <laughs> <laughs> Do you that, think? Could that be like the ignition source and then like the accelerant right I, outside the bathroom? I'm not over. Tell, you're telling me she went out to the garage, carried in a jug of... Lighter fluid, right? Correct. Pretty much, yeah. And brought it to the. Why would I put a? Why would I put a jug of water by the bathroom door? You know what I mean? Yeah. They did heat their house with kerosene, but that still doesn't explain it to me. But like, I know I heat my home with the fucking kerosene. I'm not gonna drink it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Correct. yeah, we might have it around, but I'm not a fucking. I'm a human woman. Yeah. I know not to crack it open and have a, <laughs> and <take> a drink. <laughs> like Fuck you. So according to him, this is all coincidence. She brought in a gallon of kerosene, put it outside the bathroom door. Someone accidentally spilled it. They never cleaned that up. First of all, you have kids living in the home and there's just, a gallon of spilled kerosene just permeating the air as well? Oh, I knocked it over a few a day or two ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I left it there. No. I left the thing I knocked over where I knocked it over the for the poison I knocked day over? Day after day. And then I went to take a bath in my bathroom that was boarded up. So that's the that's the stage. Yeah, I don't we don't even need to, what are we what are we even talking about? I just want to make this very clear to listeners. This is insane. Uh, daughter Erin says that he made no effort to break through the boarded up window and that he also told them in their car on the way to get help that their mommy had gone to heaven before emergency services had even arrived to the house. We talk about that occasionally, like moving on too quick. Before like, it's happened, really? Yeah, like you're, no, no, no. You're not in a grieving Mode yet, dude. You should still be in like, can anything be done? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it shouldn't even be a real option to you yet. That your wife might be fucking dead in a fire. No, we're still like trying to get her out. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. The idea that you're not like, look, I don't, I don't know what the fuck I would do if I like walked in on a fucking fire, but you would fucking try, wouldn't you? Well, here's the thing. First floor bathroom from window boarding up from the outside. He has a garage full of tools. He Mm -hmm. could have tried to unboard the window or cut the children out and then try. Yes. He didn't do any of that. So they do find Christina dead in the bathroom. She's leaned over the bathtub nude with a wet washcloth pressed to her face. They find soot in her lungs, but no evidence indicating she was injured or incapacitated before the blaze. So it's not like she was knocked out or drowned or anything like she was alive. Died in a fire. Died being trapped in a bathroom in a fire. Yeah. Fucking awful. Yeah. Couldn't be worse, actually. Um, The autopsy determined that she did die from smoke inhalation, but they did not conclude if it was an accident or homicide. So after her death, Carl quickly decides that he wants to move back to New York with his children. Um, And they moved to New York four days after her death. Jeffrey McDonald. Yeah. He didn't pay for funeral services or a headstone. Common thread here. I mean, we do talk a lot about you can't even fucking pretend to care that your literal wife died in a tragic fire. Yeah. buy the cheapest one. Pretend. Christina's family is like immediately suspicious of him because he didn't even attempt to break the window. He also didn't seem like appropriately emotional about everything. So fire investigator Kent goes to examine the scene. Uh there's a very strong smell of kerosene right outside of the bathroom. Also the entire hallway is covered in cardboard. The origin of the fire was right outside the bathroom and it was so engulfed that there was it was like a wall of fire. There's no way she could have gotten out the door. Mm. Um and the hallway was also flanked with about 30 cardboard boxes of winter clothing. It is a tinder kindling. box. <laughs> yeah, it's kindling. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. You you yeah. He made my bathroom into a yeah. <laughs> Correct. They say like Even if this hadn't happened like this would have been like Maybe a DCF call because It is so negligible Yeah 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 you're gonna light on fire The spilled kerosene Yeah no mother In the world like no. would leave That you did that While she was in the tub didn't you Yeah so the fire investigator Is very suspicious of this whole thing But his bosses are like, seems accidental to me. According to what rubric? The fire is ruled an accident, and Carl receives $250,000 in life insurance from her death, uh, which he took out just 20 days before she died. Uh, So a state farm representative does question him about if he could have done more to save Christina, which is like, okay, if he was innocent, fuck you. Yeah. And like, is that the issue? Right. And so he is sent into a rage. And he says, if I were in it for the money lady, why wouldn't I have gotten rid of the kids too? I'd be rich. She's like, dad? Okay, Carl. Three months later, he's asked to go over the day again for the state farm rep. He says he woke up at 6am, went to work, but then realized it was New Year's Day and turned around. You had the eve Right. You Before. know what? <laughs> it's the new year. <laughs> we had New Year's Eve last night. You know that today is 1991. Okay. Um. He watched football, took down the Christmas tree, played with his children. Daughter Erin would later say that her father doused the tree in gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> playing around. <laughs> and burned it outside in front of them saying, quote, I just want you to see how fast a house can burn down. Mere hours before their mother will die in a fire. Yeah. I'm so freaked out by Christmas trees. Okay. You're afraid of fire. Yeah. Aren't you? Unabashedly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Big time, big time, big time. (laughs) So he says once again... Oh, I'm sorry. It was a five-gallon drum of kerosene that Christina brought in a day or two before, thinking it was water, and then one of their pets knocked it over and spilled over a gallon. Yeah, but the word drum... I'm Is this the water, in... honey? <laughs> I'm not carrying in a drum of anything. She's rolling it in. <laughs> yeah. I got the water. Or like, am I bringing in a keg of water? Yeah. Um. So also a day or two before the fire, Christina had allegedly put the kerosene... How much kerosene are we spilling? Had put kerosene-soaked clothing into the dryer, <laughs> which filled the house with fumes and smoke. <laughs> Like, I bet he thought that that would catch it on fire. Yeah, yeah. The lint. You yeah, know, we're all worried about the lint thing, right? Yes. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I am. Um, I bet he thought it would, like, ignite that. So this was, like, a first attempt, you think? I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why would she do that? Why would they be drenched in... I can't, apparently everything in this house is drenched in kerosene. <laughs> so Carl said he... Carl said the kids went down for a nap, and then he went to do work... Um, in the attic, but needed wires from the garage, so he leaves the attic, goes to the garage, and this is when his house catches fire. He's outside magically, and he notices the smoke coming from the house. Mm. He goes to Levi's window, breaks it, and this is what causes a backdraft, which is like, I guess like a fireball, which singed his face and hair. He then took Levi, who's five, and threw him eighteen feet across the deck. <laughs> <laughs> Then he gets the two girls out, drove to the neighbors to call 911, leaves his wife trapped in the bathroom. He also did not go to his closest neighbor, but one a half mile further down the road. I mean, they're not getting any kind of help and driving away. All right, we're in 1992 now. Carl is at a line dancing bar and meets a woman named Cindy Best. He tells Cindy about his dead wife and three kids, and they start dating. Cindy is drawn to the children because she was told that she could never have her own. So she's like, perfect. Mm -hmm. They get married in 1993, but she does end up getting pregnant and they have a son named Alex. Carl is a strict parent. A dick. He's a horrible dick. Um, He gave all of his children hours of chores every day and pressured Levi a lot to like be a man. Mm -hmm. Colette, poor Colette. Christina's sister's in California, like, trying her best to maintain a relationship with her nieces and nephews, but, I mean, it's hard. What are you going to do? Yeah. So time passes. Levi becomes a rebellious teen. Nothing crazy. Nothing criminal or anything. But he's, like, butting heads with Carl. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? And I have, like, maybe a sinking suspicion that you killed my mom. Yeah. Uh, And I've wondered about that fire forever. And I wonder about it every night. Um, when he's sixteen, he drops out of school and moves out. Party, two thousand two. It's nighttime. Carl's getting into bed with Cindy. Looks, they're also like on a farm, by the way. Looks out the window and sees that their horse barn is ablaze. They have three Belgian horses in there. No, a mother and her two babies. Um, they all die in the fire. Yes, I know. It's very sad. We're not. Well, you're a horse girl. Aren't you? I was a horse girl, yeah. Until, um, I grew up. Until, I never quit. Until it crushed you. Until it crushed me. But I got back on the horse. But the thing about the horse people is they're very elitist, and they're not fun to be around. I can't imagine they are. They're terrible people. Mm-hmm. They like wouldn't talk to me because I couldn't afford to do anything that they wanted me to do. That was tough. Where were we? <laughs> <laughs> They're all dead. Okay. Uh, all the horses are dead, right? Mm-hmm. Carl suggested that maybe an old radio in the barn had sparked the hay to like catch fire. Did you put a fucking fucked up radio in a pile of hay? Or did you just go out there and start a fire? Yeah. I mean, hay is flammable as so. hell. Yeah. So the whole family's devastated by the deaths of their horses. Um, but Carl is, I mean, obviously not. He seemed anxious to get the barn just completely destroyed and cleared out, and the horses buried. Ever watch a war movie? Of course, oh my God, I cry every time with the horses. Why are they doing that to the horses? Don't shoot the horse. uh, they really fuck up Game of Thrones yeah. I literally have, it's not real like it's not real. you tell you have to repeat that yeah, okay. they have an investigation. It is once again ruled to be an accident. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. These kinds of things. Are not that common. And they certainly don't happen to the same person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fire will not follow you. No, but it seems to follow these people. Um, we also learn of an incident in 1986 when Carl's new Ford Mustang spontaneously combusted in his driveway and he collected $10,000 in insurance. He also had coincidentally removed all of his belongings from the car before it exploded. Yeah, dude, I've been doing it. Yeah, dude, I lit it on fire. <laughs> I blew it up. And the thing is, like, they, he, he gets getting paid out. They're paying him. Yeah, I mean, like, what do you want me to tell you? I'm being rewarded for it. Yeah. So just a few days before the barn fire, he had removed a few custom horse bridles from the barn and stored them in the home. In two weeks before the fire, he had increased his insurance policy on the barn from twenty thousand dollars to a hundred fifteen. You're not even waiting long enough to do it. No, you know what I mean. Like, do make that update and then wait a year or two. And like, even to like look, take the heat off of you a little bit, lose some valuables, like lose the horse. If you're getting a hundred grand, you can afford to lose. Let the bridle burn up. That's cost of doing business. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Levi. Talks to Cindy about how he's a little suspicious about the barn fire. He's like, I think my dad's a little freak, a little firebug. Yeah, I think I have a little firebug on my hand. And you burned up mommy. You burned up mommy. And now you burned up my horses. You know, caramel drop or whatever they <laughs> Right. <laughs> so when Carl finds out that Levi is like questioning him, they have a physical altercation. But like for the next few years, Levi is like in and out of his family's life. Like mm-hmm. he's kind of estranged, kind of not. Mm hmm. He ends up marrying his girlfriend when they're about 18 and they have two daughters together. The marriage doesn't last, but he gets his GED and a good job and is taking care of his children. Mm -hmm. November 20th, 2008. Levi is at his father's farm working on an old Chevy pickup. Um, The front tires had been removed and is propped up with a jack. No, The truck is not on blocks, however. It's just being lifted up by this one jack. So Cindy and Carl um, go to a funeral for a family member and return four hours later. So when they get home, Levi's car is still there. And they're like, he should have been gone by now. So Carl goes into the barn to check on Levi. And the next thing Cindy knows, Carl is running up to the house, telling her to call 911. The truck had fallen onto Levi and he had been trapped underneath it. Uh, His chest was completely crushed. And he had probably been there dead for hours. Oh my God. He was 23. They had no autopsy performed and it was treated as an accident. So Carl's brother, Mike, you know, obviously learned about the situation and was confused about why Levi would rely on such a dinky little Jack when he had been working on cars for years. Like he never would have taken that risk. Like he would have been smarter. Well, about he would it. have known. Like, yeah. like it'll fucking crush me. Cindy also notices that Carl's reaction that day was a little over the top, like seemed like a performance. He was like throwing himself against the wall and like being all dramatic. Oh, ew. Yeah. Two weeks before Levi's death, he got a $700,000 life insurance policy on Levi. Kendall, the length of time. Two weeks. You have to grow up, dude. Yeah. Um, Levi also had a condition that would that made it difficult for him to swallow food. They did not tell the company about that. And it might have changed the conditions of the policy. But he had a medical exam scheduled for the for this policy, the day after he died. So
1: he got to do it now. Yeah,
0: he got to collect the full amount before they could change it. If I'd let it go another day, yeah, he would have had the appointment. They would have found out about the medical condition, yep, and, and lowered-, lowered the amount of money I get when for the death, yeah, um, also Carl is obviously the sole beneficiary of this policy, not his two young children what like what what do you need that for, and like when you have your own children, yeah, they're the thing now, yeah, I don't think about my dad anymore, <laughs> <laughs> he's over that's I'm so over that <laughs> he's over. <laughs> Um, Levi's sisters believe that their father is responsible. I mean, they know who Daddy is. Yeah, they know, and they know like he hated Levi. Yeah, right. So Cindy recalls that before they left for the funeral, Carl went into the barn to check on Levi. Before Did you they kill le- him before you left? Yeah. Oh my god! I know you went and killed him quickly while we're here, like in the car. You're like-, like I'm gonna go check. And then you got in the car and drove to the funeral and then came home four hours later and was like, <gasps> and put on a show. Yes. Levi had also left behind a handwritten will that left everything to his father. This was notarized the day he died. I don't know what we're all talking about. The with, day he with died? The, the timing. I don't know what you're even talking about. <laughs> and the idea that he would leave it all to dad who I hate. Yeah. And not my children who I love. Yeah. Or like my ex-wife who will take care of my kids. Yeah. No, 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 no. And shortly after Levi's death, Carl starts a new business raising gourmet ducks. (laughs) You're fucked for that. Do you want to open a new LLC with me? (laughs) To hell no ducks. (laughs) People are like, how is he affording all these fancy ducks? (laughs) Because he's like keeping the life insurance thing on the low. I would. They were on an episode of a show on the Food Network called What? About what? His ducks. Yeah. So Cindy knows what's going on, she thinks, but she doesn't know what to do about it. So she starts to really spiral. She has the panic. Th- no, his wife. Okay. She's having panic attacks, drinking heavily. And eventually she convinces herself that Carl probably killed Levi and his wife. And she decides to hire a private dick named Steve. Cool. Good for her. Steve decides to go undercover as a promoter for Carl's Ducks. Hell yeah, I would fucking love to hire a private dick. I know. (laughs) I have nothing to find out. I don't either, but I would love to be like. I have a big problem over here. I would need you to figure it out. A private dick. I know. We could do it. Another LLC. Well, come on. We could do it. We can sit in cars better than anyone I know. (laughs) (laughs) Pardon me, but we could do it. Yeah. Observant little girls. Right. I've been reading. All right. My whole life I've been reading those Kinsey Milhone alphabet books. That's all. And it's about (laughs) about, like a private eye lady. And she's like, wow, she's got it. Remember the the Cam Cameron, the girl who had a photographic memory? Yes. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Can't. That's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) So they set up a meeting and Carl shows Steven a new fancy electric knife that he got to slay his ducks. Saying, "quote I like to do it the old fashioned way, very messy and very physical." Oh, no. Very physical. It's very weird to say. I want to like. I want to feel it. Try to fight to live. Yeah, it's just a little duck. <laughs> I'm just a little duck. <laughs> like, whoa! Um, oh my god. <laughs> Cindy tells the police about the life insurance they collected on Levi, and they had spent quite a bit of this money already. None of it had go- had gone to Levi's children or his ex girlfriend. They didn't even know that it existed. November 2012, Cindy agrees to meet Carl for lunch, and she hides a voice recorder in her bra. She's pretending that she's considering getting back together with him, and saying like, "If we're going to get back together, you have to be completely honest with me about everything." <laughs> And so she says, like, what happened in the barn with Levi? Was it hard to push the truck? And he said, no. She takes that like as kind of a tacit confession, but it was not enough for the police and was also completely inaudible. Gave it a shot. So they ask her, could she try again, but like with their professional wiring and such. She meets him again with a police wire. She tries to get him to repeat what he said last time, but he was hesitant to because why are you trying to get me to repeat what I said last time? Mm-hmm. She offered to let him check her purse for a wire, which he did, and that relaxed him a little bit. It's not my purse, it's in my tits. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wired. I'm sweating that fucking tape off right now. Hurry up. And, like, ew, you really think I'm wired? Weird of you. <laughs> Um, he's being very wormy about it. He's denying that he ever confirmed pushing the truck, but he did say he quote, took advantage of the situation after it happened. I, um, you let him die. Like, did it fall and you just like left him maybe? Or I wormed my way into a hundred grand and took it away from the children who, who probably should get it. Oh my 700, God. Yeah. No wonder you gourmet duck thing. Right. I should really pay attention to you. detectives are able to bring him in and question him they appeal to his ego and allow him to talk about himself the whole time he does not hire an attorney um they butter him up a lot why would a cop want to hear about you right if you're not a bad guy well they're truly like because everyone wants to hear about me oh my god he eventually gives them a different story he tells them that levi had been crushed before they left for the funeral and he just left him there he panicked and left the barn What? But then he changed his story again to say when Levi was working on the truck, he um, climbed into the truck to grab something. And that's when it fell on him. Um, He's arrested and charged with second degree murder at his arraignment. A few months later, he denies his confession. But before his trial began, he pled guilty to depraved indifference murder in the second degree. And in exchange, got the minimum sentence, which is 15 to life. Okay, for being depraved and indifferent. Yeah. Um. After this, California opens a murder investigation for Christina's death because, like, you've proven to be really nasty. And everything can't light on fire. Right. They contact the original fire investigator, Kent, and he had never forgotten about this. Hmm. He had stored transcripts and tapes in his personal garage so they wouldn't be destroyed. Fucking beautiful, Kent. Rock on. So in 2014, he's charged with first-degree murder of Christina... In 2016, he's eventually extradited to go on trial in California, but his trial doesn't start until 2020. At trial, the prosecution tells the jury about how in a statement, Carl had admitted that when he left for the funeral the day Levi died, he was still alive. So I think he did leave him like crushed under there. I wonder how long it took him to die. I don't know. I don't know about crushing. I have no idea how that would. I don't know nothing about that. I really don't. Like, what is the real problem? Like, they can't breathe can't breathe, crush an organ, or like yeah. I didn't know that Um, you can die from like having if like all your bones are crushed, from the <sighs> internal bleeding from that. Yeah, that's a lot of trauma. Colette testifies that when she told Carl she wanted to see her sister after her death, he told her she couldn't because she was quote, a crispy critter. <sighs> oh my god. <laughs> Don't be fucking cute with me. No. An expert who inspected the home a few weeks after the fire testified that the light that Carl had claimed must have ignited the kerosene-soaked carpet was not on and had no power running to it and therefore could not have been the ignition source. How the hell could we not have known that before? I'm saying. Give Kent an hour. Yeah, he'll explain it to you. Let's talk about the kerosene stains. There's evidence of a second and more deliberate spill pattern in a U-shape right outside of the bathroom door. Dude, like a ring of fire. Correct. Correct. Someone clearly poured it and had lit it on fire. Kent had notified the insurance company about this back in 1991, but they paid the claim anyway, which is so strange because insurance companies are always looking for ways to not pay. Negligent, though. Right. So here's a timeline. December 7th, 1990, Carl got a Christmas bonus. On the 12th, he bought life insurance policy for Christina and the kids and himself. Mm-hmm. December thirtieth is the first kerosene spill, and this this is also when he boarded up the window. Um, he also confirmed that day with his neighbor that they would not be home on January first, like his direct neighbor. What? Hmm. No possible chance that people that help will get to her in time. It's just mm-hmm. depraved to be like if you if my home were to light on fire, you couldn't rush don't over. Don't bother here? about coming over to help. We're not even. We won't even be here. The neighbor won't be there, so like, oh my god, I picked a day to do it, yeah, knowing there'd be no near neighbor to come help. Correct. Yo. I'll have to get in. The, <laughs> I'll have to get in the truck to drive to the closest neighbor. Not even the closest, the second closest. I wonder if he thought the children might not make it out either. I think he probably was like, well, whatever, but we'll be, we'll be right, right. Okay, Sarah, Sarah. <laughs> Da, da, da. The defense basically says, you're just indicting him for this because of the way he so cruelly killed his son. <laughs> that has nothing to do with this. It's completely unrelated. <laughs> that is a deciding factor. Indicative of like the kind of guy we're working with. And they do allow this, his death to be introduced because they're establishing a pattern. It's a pat of you killing people in like horrible ways for, for money. money. Right. So he is found guilty and sentenced to life without parole. And he says he plans to appeal his conviction... Because this just happened like two years ago. I mean, throwing people away like they're nothing. Yeah, just so you can buy more ducks. Disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you for telling me that. Goodbye, girls. Bye. I love you.